Good everyone. I uh, had a jacket on, but I can't stand it. It's too humid. Uh, this is ridiculous. I don't know if you heard about this, but I was in Florida last week. Um, you may have heard something about that, like the fact that it was freezing down there, and it was colder down there than it, than it was up here. But then when I got back up here, this place became the Arctic Circle, and we were we were in the single digits, and I don't, I don't understand what all that means. It, it's, also, it's also affecting my self-esteem and my well-being that Alyssa, our children's minister, she went to a conference in Florida. They have a lot of conferences in Florida for some reason, and the weather's just been fantastic, and in the 70s down there this week. So um, I just need you all to know that my self-esteem is at a very low level right now, and I'd really appreciate it if you don't tease me because I'm very sensitive. And, uh, you know, I've been so cold, I guess I'm kind of a snowflake right now. So please, please keep that in mind. Um, if you're really feeling sympathy for me right now, don't. I mean, any, you know, because if, never mind. Uh, one of the things that Alyssa would want me to tell you is that next Sunday is what we're calling Prayer Pal Sunday. We've never done this before. Uh, Prayer Pal Sunday is a, uh, a Sunday where we're going to meet with, I think my microphone went out just for a second, but Prayer Pal Sunday is going to be a Sunday where we sit with our prayer pals and we, um, uh, we, we are going to encourage them. This is an all new thing and we all get to work with each other. I guess I should say to my prayer pals um, that um, you're going to have to preach with me because, you, you know, I don't know how you will sit with me during this part. We're going to pick up in Luke, where we were uh, two weeks ago. I want to thank Larry for preaching so that I could be at the Gulf Coast getaway. Uh, I'm really proud of our campus ministry. Um, we, it, it was really good uh, being on that trip again and seeing the growth there with that mission. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. I am... Um, we started last, or two Sundays ago, at looking at the power of Christ among us, the power of Christ working among us. And uh, I really appreciate Dylan's comment that he used, you used to think this about baptism and being close to God, and then you read your Bible. And uh, that's a very true statement. And I used to think that there was once upon a time uh, a world where Christ did wonderful things and fought the forces of evil, and then it all faded away at some point when we discovered science. And then I read my Bible. And the power of God is still active among us in this day and age. Maybe not in the same exact way, but that doesn't mean it's any less powerful or any less present. And I think that what we're going to see from this text is that there's the way that God works among us is not for us to decide or to define. It's simply for us to accept. Because God will define how He works His power among us. And Christ is now sovereign and able to do His power among us as He chooses. Would you pray with me before we read God's Word? 
Father, we ask that you would be with us in the reading and in the hearing of this word. I pray that in hearing this word, we will be believers and doers of this word. And Father, even where this challenges us or where this makes us uncomfortable, we pray that that is your power at work among us, stirring us to overcome whatever unclean, impure spirits work among us so that we may humble ourselves obedient to you knowing that it is your will and your desire to work among us. And Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor. And the crowd watched. And then it came out of him without hurting the man further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and they they flee at his command. And the news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. And after leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home. Where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. And standing at her bedside, Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of His hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out. Uh, at his command, and they were shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place, and the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But Jesus replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns, too, because that's why I was sent. And so he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. We need to stop and recognize that this story had demons in it. This may not be something that that you worry about every day. Oh, maybe in a metaphorical sense, we talk about demons, meaning those things that pester people and torture people, but I'm talking about full-blown, real, minion-of-Satan-type demons. I have to say, I am not an expert on demons, and for that, I am very thankful, Uh, nor do I want to be. And I will admit, too, that I'm rather suspicious of those who claim to be experts on demons. Um... That, that's, I mean, that, that's sort of like being an, an expert on, um, 
you know, on really bad things. It, 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 it doesn't speak well for you. So I, uh, I leave that whole thing on demons uh, to the one who's not worried about them at all, and that's Christ. Now, I do know that there's some things we have to unlearn about demons so that we can figure out what's being said here in this Word of God. And I thought that I knew a lot about demons because I had seen The Exorcist when I was young, and I knew what demons did. Um, And then again, I'm going to use this phrase, Dylan, I read my Bible, and uh, I learned different. I heard heard a testimony once uh, years ago uh, from a woman who claimed that she was pestered by a demon. And she described it, and she said the creature would stand at the end of her bed at night and terrorize her, and it would be counting backwards from ten, nine, eight, seven. Yeah. And I thought in my youthful arrogance, that's not a demon. That's a Muppet from Sesame Street, because that's what they do. They show up and count and talk about letters and numbers. But you know what? I've learned since that whatever she was experiencing was something that was disturbing her. And that's what you see demons doing a lot in Scripture. They're tormenting people. They're upsetting people. And and, and they make life difficult. Demons, really, we can can move away from the whole Hollywood uh, movies and, and video game definition of demons and realize that demons represent a harmful influence on this world. Now, I'm not demystifying demons and saying there's nothing to it. I I don't know. I don't control that world. I don't live in that world. But I do know that unseen things can have a physical influence on this world. For example, I I don't know if if you've uh, noticed, but the government's shut down. Uh probably why some folks aren't here and uh, I don't know know. Um, things seem to be going rather well Uh, but the 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 government's shut down now here's what I want you to know that didn't happen because of a physical cause it's not like a pipe burst in Congress or a a part is missing and it's going to take us a few days to get it so that we can repair the government engine What caused that is not a physical cause, but the impacts of that are physical in this world. And there are people who will not get paid when they should get paid. And there are people who will lose services who do not need to lose services. An unseen, non-physical event or thing can cause a physical harmful influence in this world that's how demons work demons are not necessarily minions of satan they can be whatever they are an unclean spirit a bad spirit in luke he says that it is a demonic impure spirit that's not a technical definition definition that's just saying This is a bad, bad spirit. How bad is it? It's yuck, nasty bad. It's bad. And it dwells within. 
And, and this man who is okay being in the synagogue. And there's really some question, does the man possess the demon or does the demon possess the man? And the, the, the harmful influence, the bad spirit and this man, their lives have become so intertwined that when Jesus preaches the truth with authority, it disturbs this unclean spirit. When you look through Scripture, these spirits, they dwell in desolate places. When Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by the devil, where did that take place? In the desert. Jesus tells a parable about an unclean spirit that leaves a house and it goes out to dry, arid places and it can't find a place to dwell. These spirits were thought to inhabit people or dwellings or places. But whatever mechanics and physics control these unseen creatures, one thing is for sure about them. They run counter to God's created order. They are rebellious spirits, and they are not the way they are supposed... It's not the way that it's supposed to be. And it causes harm. That's why Jesus rebukes them. Um, We talk a lot about the yes of God, that God has a mighty yes... That He loves you, that is an affirmative yes. That He forgives you, that is an affirmative yes. But I want you to know also that God has a very strong no. And when it comes to these unclean spirits, the word of Christ is no. He rebukes them with authority. There's no questioning. There's no guessing He doesn't bother to ask the evil spirit how it feels. He doesn't bother to ask it. The one story, he shows a little bit of grace, letting them go into a bunch of pigs. But Jesus is the ruler, the the creator, the master over all things on the earth, above the earth, under the earth, seen and unseen. And this rebuke comes with authority. But did you notice there's also that other story about a fever And Jesus rebukes the fever. Now, that may have thrown you a bit, and I had to stop and think about that one. I understand right now, I think there's probably a lot of people absent today because of flu. And right now, we have a special clinic set up just for the flu. The next step is, we're going to start rebuking flu, okay? That's all we've got left. Imagine yourself in Simon's household. Maybe you're Simon, or maybe you're Simon's mother-in-law, or you're Simon's wife. Well, you're part of that family. When Simon's mother-in-law has a fever that is so bad that she can't even take care of her daily duties in the house, and everyone is concerned about her, their first thought is not, oh, well, you know, this... This might be the H1N3, and, you know, but they say that that vaccine's only you know, 10% effective. Mm. And she's probably having a reaction to it. That's, that's not how their view of the world works. 
Their view of the world is that there's some negative evil influence causing this. Now, you may dismiss that as superstitious. It's not necessarily superstitious. They're simply saying that there's something bad here, and we want it to be better. And whether it's a physical disease or a tormenting spirit, Jesus is rebuking both of them because that's not the way this world was meant to operate. That is what evil and sin and corruption do to the creation of God. So if you're going to ask, how exactly do you rebuke a fever? I'd say you have to ask, how do you rebuke a demon? Because I don't know the answer to either one of those questions. All I know is that the word rebuke is an affirmative no. It's like saying no on steroids. Okay? it's, it's no to the nth degree. Uh, it's mega no. It, how many more of these do I have to come up with before you all giggle or you, know, you recognize what I'm saying? It is super no. It, to rebuke means to speak against something, to disapprove or destroy. In fact, when the man tormented with a demon sees Jesus and he has that reaction, what's his concern? His concern is that Jesus has come to destroy them. He says, why are you here to bother us? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Do you intend to destroy us? Jesus doesn't answer the question, but the implied answer is, yes, I'm here to destroy you. And we need to understand that's what God intends to do in this world. It's not, we are not just living in a waiting room for heaven. But we are on the site of a battle between heaven and earth where earth is under powers that have no business pretending to be the rulers of this earth. So maybe if if you're here today and you're wondering, okay, so this is all fine, but Benjamin, you don't have a lot of answers. What do we do when we confront a demon? Well, I'm going to tell you that if you ever do confront a demon, your theology gets very basic. Because I do have one encounter that I can tell. And and, and I want you to know, I'm fine just having one story involving demons. I don't need any more. This one one does everything I need. But it was uh, decades ago, and we uh, we were in a city in Mexico. And... I was there with a, uh, a mission team, and I knew the translator. He was, one of our, um, he was one of my fellow students at Abilene Christian, and he preached at a Hispanic congregation. And um, he grew up in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he grew up in a, in a, in a pretty well-off neighborhood. But he spoke the language. He was a great translator. Uh, he, he understood the culture. And as we're out on the streets one night, a group of us, a man comes up who uh, looks like he's been living on the street, and he's asking for food, and he's asking for money, and so far we're, we're with him, and we begin to talk to him, and, and my friend is translating, and then suddenly his eyes get big. And I said, what's going on? He says, you ought to hear what this man is telling me. And I said, I'm getting the gist of it. And, uh, and he goes on with his story. 
And then the fellow pulls his sleeve down on his arm. And this man's forearm, it's, it's probably about as big as my thigh. That's how big this fellow is. And he has a scar running down his arm. And my friend translated it for me. He said, he says that at one time he had demons and he took his machete and cut his arm open so that the demons would come out. Now, my friend is the translator, and I guess I'm the closest thing they've got to a theologian at that point, which is bad. And he says, what do I tell this guy? What do I tell this guy? And I'm thinking, you know, okay, what verse do you pull up here? Um, you know, um, uh, let's see, what about that one about going to church and not forsaking the assembly? No, that doesn't work very well. Instrumental music, no. Uh, the, uh, so I said, just tell him that Jesus is stronger than any demon around. And my friend Sam goes, are you sure? And I said, yes, I'm sure. Of that, I'm sure. Just tell him that. Because in that situation, that was the only thing we knew for sure. That whoever that demon was, real, unreal, whether it was mental illness or whether it was an evil power, Jesus was more powerful. Jesus had authority. Jesus had power over it. And I'm telling you, friends, whenever we confront evil of any kind, we need to understand that there is a greater power than that evil. Our theology tends to get very basic when we confront it. I fear sometimes that what we've done is, especially as sophisticated, scientific Westerners and Americans, is that we've reached a sort of uneasy truce with evil. That we've reached an uneasy truce or a, a gentleman's agreement with death and darkness. That we just assume that bad things are happening, that there's going to be evil in the world, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so we say, God, if you'll just protect me and mine from all that evil stuff, then we'll be okay, and we'll stay far away from it, and you take care of us, and we'll just pray for them. End of story. And we don't really ever expect to see any of that demonic stuff or have it affect us. When I really think that Jesus is setting an example for us, and he's showing us the way, and he's saying... I will be in the forefront and I will say no to this evil and I expect you to say no to it also. That the power of Christ works among us to destroy evil. And that when we're confronted with it, there is a power that can undo it. There is a power that it must submit to because it is a greater power. What is that power and how does it work? It's not something for you and I to manipulate, to control. But it is something for us to observe. And one of the things we observe is that it has something to do with the Word and the teaching. What was it that amazed the people in the Capernaum synagogue? His teaching. And he was teaching with authority. And that authority was the sort of authority that unsettled the man possessed of the evil, impure, demonic spirit. This, 
power of Christ to destroy all evil also has to do with who Jesus is. On two occasions in this text, first there's the man in the Capernaum synagogue. He says, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. At least when demons recognize that, they get afraid. What do we do when we recognize that Jesus is the Holy One of God? How can you and I be worried or troubled or concerned when we know that the Holy One of God is our Lord? If you know that, then you know what you need to know. The demons know clearly who Jesus is. In the other occasion, they're all saying, you're the Son of God. They recognize His authority. It is a greater power, a mightier power. Do you and I recognize that? Because one of the reasons that we make this little truce with evil is because I think that we want to back away like the crowd in Nazareth and say, well, Jesus is Joseph's son and he really is a nice, swell guy. And, um, you know, he's good to have at parties and invite over to the holidays and go and visit him on Sunday. What about the rest of the week? The rest of the week, we'll just do the best we can. Folks, do we not understand that there's much more at stake and there's much more out there? That, that there, you know, those fears and worries that we think we've got to white-knuckle it through all that on our own? That there's one standing ready who has power over that? And will shout, no, he will rebuke the evil that surrounds us. He will rebuke the rebellious spirits. He will rebuke the sin that we think controls us. Because when you make Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords, there's no other competition. You're taken care of. Evil, and here's the thing to recognize. If, if, understand this, and I want you to walk away with this today. The evil, unclean spirits that can make our lives and the lives of those we love miserable and I'm leaving that as a basket term. If you want to put fever in there, if you want to put sickness, if you want to put uh, unseen things, if you want to put mental illness, if you want to put addictions, if you want to put demons, whatever it is, that's okay. Anything will go in that blank. Whatever those things are, they are threatened by the Word and the power of Christ. They're not threatened by me and my preaching. They're not threatened by us and this church. They are threatened by the one that we represent and his word and his command. I like to think of it like this, that um, little demons uh, are told nightmare stories by their parents about Jesus Christ. That when demons have nightmares, they have nightmares about Jesus it works. And you and I have to understand that there is a power greater. When, um, when I was a child, uh, one of the things that was very popular were UFOs, unidentified flying objects. And those UFOs were piloted by aliens. And those aliens came and they abducted people. And they would take you away. 
And, oh, people just had all kinds of scary stories. Vampires, I had no problem. I knew how to handle those. Werewolves, silver bullets, big deal. No problem. But aliens, you don't know what to do with them. They show up out of nowhere. And here's the other thing. I noticed a pattern that these aliens and all those stories always ended up in some rural, out-of-the-way place. And we had just moved to Brentwood, Arkansas, a rural, out-of-the-way place. So every night, as I had my fan up in my open window crammed between the two panes, that's what we called air conditioner in those days, while that was going on, I just knew that one of those aliens was going to show up. And I had trouble sleeping, and I would go to my parents, and I would say, I am, I, I'm having a hard time with this, and, you know, but I watch those alien shows, and you know, what if they're real? Tell me they're not real. And on and on I would go, a little worried kid, just go on and on. Finally, my father sat up in his chair, and he said, I'm going to tell you right now, if an alien comes in this house, I'm going to rip his arm off, and I'm going to beat the stuffing out of him. And I thought to myself, yeah, he could do it. He could do it. And I was at peace. And I went to bed and I was thinking, you know, somewhere there's an alien planet and their war council is getting together to invade Earth. And just as they've got all this ready, this little scout ship comes in and the aliens run up and they go, you can't invade Earth. Don't invade Earth. Do you understand that if we go to Earth, it's protected and Sergeant Gerald Benjamin will rip our arms off and beat the stuffing out of us? You may say, that's a silly story about aliens. Yeah, but I'll tell you what's real. Is that there was a worried child who knew that his father's love protected him. Now, you have a heavenly father who loves you even more. And he will rip the arms off evil and beat the stuffing out of it. Because he doesn't want you messed with by those things that have no right to mess with you. I do want you to understand, this is not a sermon that says that if you love God, everything goes okay and nothing bad ever happens. That's not the message. The message is that when Jesus Christ is our Lord, the evil things don't win. And that the worst things in this world will be ultimately undone and overcome, and even those rebellious evil spirits must acknowledge that He is the Son of God, the Holy One of God. So I'm inviting you, why not go to the One who loves you and cares for you the most? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for Your love and Your protection that doesn't just keep us from harm, but it promises us that You're good, You're good, triumphs over evil. And Father, I pray that you would give us the courage not to worry, not to fear, but to trust in you. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus could have been a popular miracle man in Capernaum. He could have been a wonder worker. He could have just been out there touching people, healing them day after day after day. And think of all the good that that would be with that power. But instead, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too because that's why I was sent. The greatest power is in sharing that good news that puts the demons on the run. 
So will you join in this mission? That's the invitation today. Let's stand and let's sing and give thanks for the power of Christ among us.